0: The views expressed on Geeks and Beats are those of the participants alone and do not necessarily reflect the views of their employers.
1: Are you there? I am
2: here. Where are you? I am at the Shangri-La Hotel just off Orchard Road in Singapore, where the in my guest room, the Internet says I am 18.9 down and 1.7 up. <laughs> oh,
1: great yeah I, I should hear every other word you're saying uh
2: yeah yeah you probably should but uh no this is a the and you know, here's the interesting thing is that they slipped something under my door the other night and said there will be no internet available to you from friday at 2 a.m until friday at 5 a.m because we are improving our guest internet for you so this is the uh this is the upgraded internet <laughs>
1: And when you were in London, you were trying to figure out how you could incorporate music into rugby matches. What's what's the big track to play?
2: Uh, that's a really good question because I've been sitting here in the hotel room watching Rugby 7s from Wellington, New Zealand. Now, Rugby 7s is a, is different from regular rugby where you have 15 guys a side and they play for whatever it is, 90 minutes. Uh, rugby 7s is you have seven guys a side. And the show, the game is 15 minutes long, so it's very, very fast. It's kind of like watching three-on-three hockey in overtime in the NHL.
1: All I'm hearing here is the Peanuts gang grown-up sound. Wah, 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 wah.
2: That's all you're hearing when you start talking sports. Oh, I see. I thought it was my uh, 1.7. <laughs>
0: From the headquarters of Geeks and Beats magazine, now with 1.2 billion subscribers on iTunes and GeoCities, this is the world's most popular podcast with Alan Cross and Michael Hainsworth, featuring musical guest Sting. Couldn't get
2: tickets to your favorite band Seconds After They Went On Sale? There's a reason... Maybe somebody's going to end up in jail over it.
1: Scooby-Doo is getting a reboot, and Shaggy's updated his hipster look for 2016. Hanna-Barbera would have gotten away with it if it wasn't for those meddling DC Comics creators. David Bowie's last will and testament. There's an
2: unusual line item in the $100 million will, and it's not the million set
1: aside for the nanny. Plus, why your coffee doesn't taste as good at work as it does at home, or at 30,000 feet.
0: And now, Alan Cross and Michael Hainsworth.
1: Well, we knew it all along. Anytime you tried to buy a ticket on one of those ticket services, they were sold out almost like that.
2: This is something that comes up every once in a while. I'm not surprised. Well, the the reason we're talking about it now uh, is two reasons. First of all, there was this study done in the state of New York, which detailed exactly how bots are elbowing their way to the front of the line when it comes to buying tickets.
1: So computerized systems jumping the queue at Ticketmaster and all those other sites. It's, It's just like those flash trading
2: programs that we have on Wall Street. There's no way that you can beat them. So we're talking about what's happening in New York State. There's been a big outcry about it. And uh, in Toronto, there was recently a very big outcry about a couple of Pearl Jam shows where people were you know, poised with their fingers on the enter button at 10 o'clock when tickets went on sale. And boom, they, they were gone in, in, in seconds. And this is so frustrating for people because there a, a lot of them will be pushed to the secondary market uh ticketmaster is you mean scalper market well yeah now here's how it works so ticketmaster is god for selling tickets i mean there's ticketfly and a few others but when it comes to selling show tickets for big shows it's always ticketmaster and uh, these brokers have figured things out uh, with their bots so they're able to swoop in and, and buy lots of tickets despite the fact that there might be just a four-ticket minimum or, or some other safeguard put on uh, multiple ticket buying. Uh, they still manage to get in there. And the other issue is that tickets are automatically, a lot of tickets are, are moved to uh, uh, services like StubHub, where, which is the secondary ticket seller market. And what's stinky about StubHub is, guess who owns it?
1: Ticketmaster? Yes,
2: that's right. So it's Ticketmaster's scalping their own tickets. Okay, you're a band like Pearl Jam. Let's say you're charging $75 a ticket, and you are going to be paid... Uh, by how many $75 tickets you sell for a show, right? Mm -hmm. So what if these tickets are taken by Ticketmaster or by somebody else and put onto the secondary ticket-selling market, and all of a sudden that $75 ticket is $500? Shouldn't you, as Pearl Jam, be pissed off that somebody is making uh, exponentially more money off your name, off your ticket, Uh, than you are when you're trying to do it legitimately. Or, in the case of StubHub, is the artist cut in on the extra margin? What's your thought on this? I don't know. I mean, this is pretty shadowy. I mean, we'd have a better idea of figuring out exactly how ISIS works. Uh, (laughs) this, This is really, really secretive stuff. And, you know, every once in a while you have, like what we have in New York right now, uh, an investigation as to, you know, how tickets are sold and is this really truly free market? Are people
1: getting hosed? Is it fixed? Over at GeeksandBeats.com, our Washington Bureau Chief Amber Healy reports that the New York Attorney General has several recommendations, including urging the state legislature to act, mandating reforms to the industry, including transparency and regulation in the use of bots and the enforcement of ticket purchase limits. More than half of the tickets are not even made available to the general public
2: for sale. The tickets uh, are held back, and we our study showed that it, on average, 54% of tickets are set aside for insiders. It took a single bot just one minute to buy more than 1,000 tickets to a U2 concert last summer at Madison Square Garden, and there's just no way ordinary fans can compete with that. Then the brokers take these tickets to resale sites, which we call uh, ticket reseller platforms, like StubHub or Tickets Now, to sell at significantly marked up prices. Finally, even if you get lucky enough to beat the bots and you get a ticket, that's when the fees hit you. You know, it's like water. These guys will find ways around it. Uh, it's just gonna get more sophisticated and we can sit we're screwed we're, we're we're just we're just totally screwed i the only way i mean we may have to go back to the days of lining up outside a ticket box office uh in order you know in, to 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 get the best tickets i mean that's the way it was done for free i once lined up i'm embarrassed to say this but i once uh, lined up to buy tickets to a winnipeg show
1: by sticks <laughs> and you're willing to admit this i lined up overnight wow did you camp out I, I, i'm at 299 queen which to any canadian is known as the much music building and uh, we're actually on the, the the primary floor there we've got some fantastic real estate at the business news network in that building but i have to go around the encampment of kids, and some of them have tents as they wait for the Much Music Video Awards or anything else like that. Yeah, hey, listen, if
2: you've got that kind of t- time on your hands, get a job. Uh, it's it's, but if you know, well, no, I, okay, that's cruel. Okay, so so you
1: are a- usually they're thirteen year old girls. Uh, yeah, okay, so if if which surprises me, I suppose when my daughter is thirteen, if she's there with four other girls that maybe that's okay if they all stick together. I don't know. I can't imagine wifey being okay with her daughter camping out overnight with friends just to see some boy band.
2: Uh, Okay. And you know what? It is a rite of passage. I mean, I did it a number of times uh, because it was something social social
1: yeah exactly it was something that, that there was you you developed new friends and you had a common um, uh, theme around that entire evening that to bond upon
2: it was an adventure and it's something that you had to, it's not like you know uh, you know if you're 13 14 15 i don't, cam and whatever how old ever, old i was it was it was it was cool to be part of this 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 herd culture who were all united in in one thing and that was to get tickets to this show because look at the sacrifices we're making we're staying up it's four thirty in the morning and we're still awake and we're the box office doesn't open till nine but we're gonna make it you know okay
1: one of the reasons blue jay tickets were so expensive at playoff time was because american brokers came in and bought up all the inventory using bots yeah, uh, it it happens with every single. Well, we we sell all tickets are sold online right now, right? Right. So this isn't explicitly a concert issue. This is just any time you want to buy tickets. By the way, I bought tickets to Neil deGrasse Tyson coming to Toronto at the Sony Center. No, did you really? Oh, it's going to be great. My dad, who's really into astronomy, and so this is going to be a fun evening. Notwithstanding, he probably is going to bring up the fact that uh, the rapper Bob. Alleges that the Earth is flat. <laughs> I, I know.
2: I I don't. I it's. I read that whole story and I was like, okay, how much of this do you want to believe? But. Um, you know, we still have the Flat Earth Society and they still <laughs> maintain uh, their ideology. Well, good luck with them. Here I am uh, on, you know, 13,000 miles away from you. I can pretty much attest that the world is not flat because I flew east to get
1: here and and I'm going to fly east to get home. What does that tell you? You've got more patience for the human race than I do? The world's round! All you need to do is look along the horizon line. If 16 kilometers away you can see another city, <laughs> wouldn't that mean the Earth is flat? Oh,
2: God. Are we going to get into the <laughs> whole thing about there being turtles all the way down? Oh, man. Please no, No, let's not.
0: Cut the cord and go to geeksandbeats.com anytime. You'll get the latest episode and links to the stories the boys are talking about. Geeksandbeats.com. Also available on A-Track and Cassette. Running around robbing all
1: whacked up with stacks Were you a fan of scooby doo at all? Not at all. I thought that Shaggy
2: was a jerk. Really? Why was Shaggy a jerk? Yeah, I didn't like Shaggy, and you know, I'm not as, I'm not into Great Danes. You know, you know me. I am I'm I'm completely into uh Uh, English Bull Terriers. It's funny that you mentioned Scooby-Doo because here in Singapore uh, I turned on the TV first thing this morning the the television that we get here is not um, the television that we get at home. There are certain political, religious, social sensibilities at work. So I I, I flicked it on this morning and I was looking for RT because I love watching RT the the Russian CNN because it's just so just awesomely weird. (laughs) I I flicked on HBO here, and it was something to do with Scooby-Doo, a ghost, of course, and uh, the characters from WrestleMania.
1: Oh, well, they did a ton of tie-ins. The the big famous one, of course, is the Harlem Globetrotters. Oh, yes, I remember that. Never saw it. The
2: Globetrotters are magicians with a basketball, and Scooby-Doo and Shaggy can make food disappear. Mm, looks delicious. It's a slam dunk adventure with an all-star team of ghosts. <laughs>
1: All away. Remember, in the '70s, the Harlem Globetrotters were were everywhere. But now Scooby-Doo is back with an apocalyptic reboot by DC Comics, and Shaggy's got an update to his hipster look. His, uh, you know, the beard he's he's got there, his stoner beard. Yeah. He's now got a handlebar mustache to go with it, and a tattoo sleeve. Oh, really? Oh, see. No, thank you Scooby's gone Robo pooch He's got what appears To be a bionic eye Daphne has a a laser gun Or maybe it's a rocket Propelled grenade launcher That sort of thing Um, And then uh, Velma She's got a drone That she flies Using VR goggles Okay, so obviously DC is they've They've been smoking Something up at DC Comics That they got from Shaggy
2: Speaking of drones, I was at a, uh, an event here the other night, uh, uh, an outdoor festival, a concert festival. There were drones all over the place, taking you know air, there were there were there's two stages side by side, and then there were uh, uh, big video screens, and uh, there were drones above the crowd, taking very interesting aerial shots and, and, and projecting them
1: on the screens. Disney is doing the same thing. They've applied to the uh, the FAA in the United States to uh, get an exemption to drone rules that were established following September 11th. Which, by the way, depending on who you listen to, um, Disney themselves explicitly requested that disney world and disneyland be no fly zones and the argument was that it was for uh, domestic security in the event of another terrorist kind of action however the critics point out that this was really more about preventing aerial advertisements People flying planes with running banners uh, overhead of those who are at the uh, actual theme park. And now what they want to do is put 50 drones in the air with cameras that they um, take flight during the big uh, fireworks displays that take place in the evening so that they can give us all views of the fireworks from the drone's perspective. But now because they went out and made it a no-fly zone, they have to go back to the FAA and beg them to change the rules again.
2: It's a Disney world. We just live in it. I, I, you know, I I would think it would be kind of funny to see a plane trailing a banner that said, visit Universal Studios or uh, Knott's Berry Farm.
1: So we've got uh, Hanna-Barbera and DC Comics uh, updating the folks in the Mystery Machine. It's an apocalyptic future. That they've, ad- they've jumped to They're they're in the the far future now And this is where the entire thing takes place But they're not just rebooting Scooby-Doo Future Quest is getting a reboot Wacky Raceland The Flintstones are getting a reboot as well And I gotta tell you Fred's looking a little worse for wear They've tried to reboot the Flintstones several times With those live action films, which did not work out very well No, 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 no. This is back to the cartoon But Fred looks like he had a rough night the night before At the bowling alley with Barney
2: uh, See, it's the family Family Guy, family Guyization of of um. Of the Flintstones. I don't like that. Because I think the thing about the Flintstones was that they those those, those original series were of an era and, and that's what made them charming. I don't think we need to reboot them.
1: Well, they're getting it whether they want it or not. And you've got an interesting point about Marvel comics and how DC has to play catch up. Well, they do. I mean, they don't have any. They don't have nearly the superheroes that uh, Marvel has so your Wi-Fi password is it one two three four five no it's not uh, I I've, I've had to change it over the years I got the list of the worst passwords of 2015 according to splash data and number one on the list as it has been I think since we started inventing passwords one two three four five six yeah number two on the list the password is password
2: yeah I have one I used that at home in my studio because there was a it, it required this is this one box I have in order to activated it needs a password so i just nobody else is going to use it so i put in just password that's
1: the only time i've I've used that we had a a password system at uh, ctv where uh, it was the password was password and we had to change it and the reason why it was for a piece of software that is critical to any television operation and much like Almost every other piece of software out there is now connected to the internet. It's the teleprompter system. No, re- your teleprompter's password was password. It, and, well, it was until recently, and we <laughs> changed all of it because you can access the pa- you can access the the teleprompter system from any computer anywhere in the world. Because we're in a connected world. For example, the cameras are all connected via IP now. And, uh, for example, the primary camera I use, we call it camera 5, but it's actually camera 85. Oh, I, oh. In the entire CTV family. So all of that's password protected. There's a really funny video on YouTube of this kid who hacked into the... um, Probably because the password was password Into the teleprompter system At a uh, Swedish television station And was changing the text During the newscast (laughs) And the news anchors Suddenly realize There's something clearly wrong with this (laughs) And you watch him as he does it That's funny I mean it's wrong But it's funny At number 25 on the list The password is Star Wars That's new on the list We haven't seen that recently
2: I, that's why I put it uh, on, on the lineup here, because that,
1: uh, like, why would you do that? But, oh, okay, fine. And of whatever. course, before Star Wars, even more popular, Solo. Even yeah. more popular than that, Princess. Uh-huh. Needless to say, the Star Wars thing's uh, getting some steam. I have a feeling it's going to be popular.
2: I, I think it will be. So if you're looking to crack into something, maybe like a major bank, uh, try Star Wars and see if... Uh, the force will be with you, I guess.
1: This is not the password you're looking for.
2: These are not the droids you were looking for, is is somewhere on that list a little further down.
0: London, Bangkok, New York, Cincinnati. From the worldwide headquarters of Geeks and Beats magazine, this is a GNB News Update.
1: Our co-producer this week, Michael Yurkovich. Hello Michael, how are you? thank you so much for supporting the big show Uh, what has made him a co-producer is the same thing that makes any Hollywood co-producer a co-producer is they open their wallets they don't do any actual work and that's what gets the show up and running so Michael thank you very much for opening your wallet wide $25 uh, per episode is what gets him the title of co-producer if you're not willing to shell out that kind of cash to support the show you can be an intern and as a member of the world's worst intern program you pay us you don't do any actual work on the show, and we pocket the cash, which is $1 an episode. Thanks, Mark Altasar, Mike McDonald, Claude Carone, Jeff Skarsbrick, Kevin Button, and Chef Mike Benninger, among others.
2: I was at this festival the other night, as I mentioned, and I was introduced to somebody who I'd never met before, and he had a confused look on his face, and then his eyes lit up and he goes, you're the guy
1: with Geeks and Beats. ha! <laughs> Really? Yes. I got recognized at the airport on the way to CES. Hey, love your work, man. Oh, thanks. What time do you watch? No, no, no I mean your podcast.
2: <laughs> yeah. So we must be doing something right. So you got it? okay. You, and I was at, uh, uh, what's it called? Gardens by the Bay uh, near the Marina Bay Sands Hotel, which is that three-story hotel with the boat on top. Yep. That, that's so iconic. So, that, yeah, but in the shadow of that, the guy says, yeah, I listen to Geeks Beats every week. It's great. That's fantastic.
1: I was uh, <laughs> at a conference this past, week a big technology conference and um canadian multi-millionaire entrepreneur slash guy who sets his all-electric car on fire michael weckerly was there as well and we know weck from as the guy who said you know what i'm gonna save the el macombo sign no i got a better idea i'm gonna buy the el macombo
2: wait you you know him as a diminutive you call him weck yeah uh, okay why
1: No, I'm just saying... It's a business nerd thing. Okay, fine. Weck. But the point is, is that Weck took down the sign at the Elmo Combo here in Toronto, this legendary bar. And they're going to clean it all up, he tells me. They're going to replace the neon with LED-based light, put it back up, and in May, you and I are invited to the unofficial reopening of the Elmo. The unofficial? Is this like the the soft pre-launch? It's the pre-launch. They're Ooh. going to just have a, a little party for some of his best friends, which means I'm there, of course. Uh-huh. And then they will open it formally in the summer. Oh, okay. Fantastic. By the way, speaking of business people,
2: I had uh, a very nice evening uh, to the tune of six glasses of Bordeaux with uh, somebody you know. Oh,
1: that couldn't possibly be anybody I know. It sure could. It was? Yes. Do you remember Lisa Oak? Oh, Lisa Oak. Yes. From the business news network, she went off to CNBC Asia. Right. And now she's, she's a media, lovely woman. A very
2: lovely woman. She And she's a, uh, a media consultant here doing a lot of uh, work with her own company. And uh, your former co-worker and now my kind of co-worker, Lou Skeezus, connected us. Yes. And we had, it was supposed to be just like a half an hour, hi, how are you? But it was like it was like four hours of sitting there just just talking about stuff. So, oh, fantastic. Uh, she, she says hello.
1: Uh, Lou Skies is, by the way, also formerly of the Business News Network a, as our uh, as our equity analyst. Viewers would get his name wrong from time to time. And, and so somebody wrote in and, uh, and asking him a question and they got his name wrong. And we just found it so hilarious. And you know, the way radio and TV works behind the scenes is that the gallows humor and the, the ribbing that we take. Everybody's got an impression of everybody else and everybody has a nickname for everybody else. Yeah. Yes, so... Lou Skeezes went from Lou Skeezes to Lou Shiznit. (laughs) Shiznit. Okay. So, I had lunch with him. Standby, Shiznit.
2: (laughs) Take two. I had lunch with him the other day, and he was going to do it again, so I'll say, hey, next time we meet up, I'll call call him Shiznit.
1: Well, the funny thing is, is I don't think any of the crew ever had the nerve to call him Lou Shiznit to his face. Okay,
2: I will. And <laughs> we'll see what happens. <laughs> and I'll blame, I'll blame it on you.
1: So we want to say thank you very much uh, to everyone who supports The Big Show, because we don't get a, a dime from any of those commercials if you're listening on the Bell Media Radio Network. Baby,
0: she's a total bam blam. She said she had to speed the
1: and beats update david bowie's last will and testament yeah this
2: uh, is making the the rounds whenever you file a will it is a public document i didn't know that no no no, no it is uh and it's just a matter of time before you know things are revealed So let's just go through it. Uh, Bowie apparently had quite a bit of money when he died, maybe as much as a hundred million. I've seen more, but the number that we keep coming back to is about a hundred million. He was a very, very savvy tax guy. He went into tax exile in Switzerland, and, uh, there were the Bowie bonds and a whole bunch of other things. So, uh, he ended up with, with an awful lot of money. Uh, so let's look at this as a hundred million dollar estate. Uh, so his wife, Amon, she re- she receives approximately half of Bowie's estate. So there's $50 million. Uh, she also gets the apartment on Lafayette Street in Manhattan. The rest of the money will be divided up thusly. it uh, $25 million will go to his son, Duncan, the former Zowie Bowie, or Zowie Bowie. He, uh, yeah, he's a filmmaker, isn't he? Yes, he did a very good movie called uh, called Moon.
1: Bell reporting to central everything running smoothly over and out rock and roll god bless america
2: good morning sam do you want me to cut your hair here lunar industries remains the number one provider of clean energy worldwide due to the hard work of people like you
1: <laughs> Three years is a long haul, you know. I
0: know you're really lonely up there, but
1: I'm proud of you. So you could throw a lot of money at a project when you got $25 and walking around cash. Yeah, he's a uh, son by Angie Bowie. Uh, Angela gets uh,
2: absolutely nothing out of this, by the way. Uh, he has a teenage daughter, Lexi Zahara Jones, who is, uh, he, she? Had, that's the daughter he had with uh, Iman. She's probably going to get around. Twenty million ish. Um, longtime personal assistant Coco Schwab will get two million. She's been with him uh, forty-three years. Wow! Absolutely indispensable. Uh, and then this is the the most interesting one. A further million dollars was reserved for somebody named Marion Scania. Who's that? Duncan's
1: former Swiss nanny. Oh. OK, well, you know what? I, I can see that it, the the nanny that we shared with two or three of the other parents in my neighborhood was fantastic. And we credit her for getting the foundation for our daughter to read, um, because when you get a nanny, you can either get a nanny who's just basically someone who's a babysitter or you can get a nanny who's got the early childhood education Uh, experience the background an actual piece of paper that says i went to school for this and she did and my daughter's reading level is three grades above everybody else in her class Hmm, interesting i i would give a million bucks if i had it to throw around
2: okay well he must be one hell of a nanny um duncan gets his 25 million dollars immediately lexi will have to wait until she's 25 which is 10 years from now uh, to get her money although she will be able to ask for reasonable amounts Uh, for living expenses and education. Uh, She's also going to get some property, her father's house at uh, Little Taunchy Mountain in Ulster County in upstate New York. She gets that when she's
1: 25. Wait a minute. Am I reading this correctly? Did he give a couple of million bucks to Opossum?
2: Yeah. Now, this is interesting. A few million dollars has been carved out of the estate for something called Opossum, Inc. No one has ever heard of it. No one knows what it was. It's something... This is a, a... Was um, added as a codicil to bowie's will in 2004 it's like
1: a skunkworks project for something
2: well it does i mean let's let's remember that he was a bit of um not a bit of a one but he was a serious internet entrepreneur I, i don't know so and and anybody who's been trying to find out about opossum inc has been turned away obviously it's a private company and uh it's going to be well funded with another couple million bucks to do something
0: Ever wanted to be a big-shot co-producer? It's just like Hollywood. Visit GeeksAndBeats.com to learn how you can pad your resume with an exciting show credit. We'll even send you the album cover of your episode, suitable for framing in your parents' basement.
1: You're finding out here at GeeksAndBeats.com that music can make your coffee taste better.
2: Well, we've talked about this before, haven't we, where music seems to have an effect
1: on the eating and drinking habits of patrons in, in, in restaurants, right? That was a very interesting uh, conversation we had. The idea that depending on the type of music and, and also the tempo as well as the volume, they all played a role in how you perceived uh, the saltiness or the bitterness of food.
2: I, I'm going to throw something else at you simply because I've got a tomorrow, I've got a 14 hour flight back to London. And um, everybody's eating airplane food, and airplane food tastes really quite dull. And the reason is because your taste buds um, don't react the same way on an aircraft in flight than they would on, on, on the ground. So you have to add all this extra salt and stuff to it.
1: Is the air pressure, is that what that is? No. No,
2: I have been told, and we can look this up on the Intertron, I have been told that it is the drone of the engines. Really? Yes. So this leads to this story about Music and coffee. Somebody has done, a, and I'll post a link to it, with with the actual music, that uh, if you listen to, if you have a nice, make yourself your, the best cup of coffee you can possibly make at home. Mm-hmm. Then uh, take a sip and note every bit of how it tastes, from the four notes to the aftertaste to everything, okay? Mm-hmm. Then try this one, particular passage of music and take another sip notice the differences in how the coffee tastes then there is another piece of music take another sip and you'll notice that the coffee tastes different yet again and uh it, it's it's just this weird thing where sound and there were in this particular case we're using uh music as opposed to jet engines Changes the way we perceive
1: taste well, usually I have my morning cup of Joe in silence. I sit there in the living room with the uh, iPhone in one hand, the fireplace going in the in the winter to give me a nice little warm glow, and I drink my cup of Joe and read my morning news, and I don't want any noise whatsoever.
2: No, I, and that's how I, I I want silence in the morning because I need to uh, I, I, I need to power up for the day. So but on weekends you know when i when when I get to savor my coffee rather than use it as some kind of you know heart starter. Uh, I'm going to try this and and see if it actually works.
1: According to health.com, because I've looked it up on the Internet, so you know it must be true. A new study from Cornell University that came out this past summer has come up with the answer as to why airplane food tastes bad. And to your point, noisy environments inside a claustrophobic airplane cabin may change the way food tastes. 48 people were handed a variety of solutions that were spiked with five basic tastes. Sweet, salty, sour, bitter, and umami?
2: Uh, yeah, that's just like a savory.
1: Japanese word for the savory flavor found in foods like bacon, tomatoes, cheese, and soy sauce. First, the testers sipped in silence, then again while wearing headsets that played 85 decibels of noise designed to mimic the hum of jet engines aboard the plane. And what researchers found was that while there wasn't much of a change in how the salty, sour, and bitter stuff tasted, the noisy surroundings dulled the sweet taste while intensifying the savory one.
2: I noticed that when I was trying my brownie on my flight from London to Singapore. And
1: it was a big pile of chocolate,
2: but it didn't taste like anything. It was
1: like sawdust. So you put on those noise-canceling headphones, and there you go.
2: Well, or or some, you know, I've got, to, I'm going to use uh, uh, some in-ear um some in ear earbuds, and then I do have on
1: my iPhone a a noise cancelling app, uh, so i 'm going to try that on the way home. German researchers tried taste tests at both sea level and in a pressurized condition. The test revealed that the cabin atmosphere when you 're pressurized at eight thousand feet combined with the cool, dry cabin air, numb the taste buds much like when you 've got a bad cold, and the perception of saltiness and sweetness drop by thirty percent at high altitude, and the stagnant cabin air dries up the mucous membranes in the nose. That dulls factory olfactory senses as well. Hmm.
2: Okay, so there. I will conduct an experiment uh, on behalf of the geeks and beats community on my way home. I have it's it's a bad flight. I mean, it's it's 14 hours
1: to London. I got two hours in London and then eight hours to to Toronto. So uh, yuck. Too bad you can't stream video while you're up there at that altitude, because I know you've uh, been watching Making a Murderer.
2: Hey listen yeah, on on uh, Lufthansa you can. They have the greatest in-flight Wi-Fi ever.
1: Doesn't it get bogged down when you've got 300 people on an airplane all trying to access the internet at the same time?
2: I was 400 miles south of Iceland and I was streaming YouTube videos in economy. Wow. Oh, uh, it was it was amazing. Now Singapore Airlines is how I'm getting out of here. Uh they also have Wi-Fi. But uh, they have to throttle it or turn it off over certain uh, certain territories, like uh, like India. Why do you? Why would you have to do that over a specific territory? I have no idea. But they they listed in the uh, in, in in the guide saying that there are
1: we are p- not permitted to you offer in flight Wi Fi over certain territories. India is one of those like government safety regulations. Some countries haven't yet come to the realization that that whole turn off your phone thing was fake.
2: Well, oh, whatever. But uh, and, and and the. The, the Singapore Airlines Wi-Fi was, I mean, I, could, I couldn't i could even do my email.
1: To that point about, about low-quality connections, while I was at that conference I was telling you about where I ran into to Michael Weckerly and he was up there doing a thing, um, there was a company that was presenting um, internet technology that required 1 Of the regular bandwidth what they did was when you surf the internet and this was designed for uh, rural india and other emerging markets where internet service is slow spotty or even just simply 2g not even 3g what they did was they showed us a demo of them surfing the bbc's website using this technology and what it did was when you entered the web address, it sent it to their servers, they on their own servers downloaded the web page, turned it into an image, and then would send via text message the image of the website. And if you clicked on a link, you were technically just clicking on an image, but it knew where you were clicking, would send the coordinates of the image, click back to the server, and that would send you then an image of the next page that you wanted and they claimed that instead of you know a, a gigabyte of data it would only consume 30k wow they were looking for money if you are you looking for an investment there you go yeah well listen i'm in the most expensive city on the planet right now i have no money to do anything but you found the making a murderer seven hilarious things wrong with ken kratz's website well i didn't find it uh somebody else did but if you want to see a website that looks like it was done by a 13 year old in his parents basement 20 years ago
2: exactly yes i mean this is uh this is a a one notch above GeoCities, and of course you know we've we've explained many times in this program our fondness <laughs> for GeoCities. well it's where we get all of our subscribers <laughs> exactly uh this is one let's just call it up here uh there is nothing
1: um there is nothing that can be recommended about this this website. I mean it is Sean Yang tears it apart. He says he's not a web or a UX designer, he gets that. But he is a lawyer. He should have at least A a little bit of money, B some common sense C, decent logical reasoning skills. And his website puts up a strong argument against all three previous counts. Have you been watching the, the Making a murder at all? My wife's been—we were supposed to watch it together. She snuck the first three episodes. Now I'm like, it's all yours. I don't want anything to do with it.
2: Oh, no, you have to go back and do it. You, you have to. And we burned through it in two days.
1: What's, what's, the, what's the idea
2: here? Well, the, the idea is that you follow a— criminal case uh, over the course of about 10 years, and you see what appears to be, and I use that phrase very deliberately, what appears to be a huge miscarriage of justice. Uh, what we end up with is is basically sloppy prosecution, sloppy defense, uh, sloppy evidence handling, and a guy that's in jail as as well as his, his very slow, mentally challenged uh, uh, nephew. Um, we're still left with lots of questions as to who uh, actually carried out this murder, but uh, it is a fascinating study about what happens with the U.S. justice
1: system. This sounds like um, the Serial podcast or something like that.
2: It's very much it's very much like the Serial podcast. Again, with with uh, at the end of Serial, we had no idea whether Sayed had actually done it. But there were doubts in our
1: minds. I, I keep seeing things move across my Facebook feed that suggests that the alleged murderer who's in prison, his wife flat out his ex wife flat out said, Oh yeah, no, I think he did it. Yeah, yeah. There's all kinds of stuff. I mean, this is a this is the new type of true crime. So people are
2: are, are reopening and re and investigating um controversial. Uh, cases on their own, and uh, you know, they're not necessarily going in with, you know, Clear Minds. There is bias in a bunch of these cases.
1: Speaking of an absence of Clear Minds, what were you thinking when you posted this? I saw
2: this. It was burned into my brain. (laughs)
1: It's labeled Crazy Girl Making Carrot Juice. Uh Uh-huh. And she's dressed as a rabbit. She is um, shredding the carrot with her teeth. Yes. Yeah. And lower jaw. And then um, putting it in a big pot. Uh Uh-huh. Pouring in some water. Uh And dancing around. While, While making some very strange noises. There's only one entry on her YouTube page, and this is it. Well, I mean,
2: listen. It's it's kind of like writing that one great hit song. Once you've reached attained perfection, why do you want to mess with it? Twenty three
1: thousand viewers can't be wrong. Is that all?
2: Oh God. Well, we listen. Okay. Uh, I'm, this will be in in the webs uh, in the show notes. Um, you have never seen anything like this, Hey, you will never see anything like this again thank god and you're welcome
0: catch all new episodes of geeks and beats wednesdays on itunes and watch for geeks and beats magazine on a newsstand near you to be part of next week's show call area code 323 319 nerd follow the stories on twitter facebook and get your dose of geeks and beats anytime at Geeksandbeats.com.